0: This is an Equity Veats Media podcast. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey.
1: You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you
0: can do. Anything that improves your own now time. you can get very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all of the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time and is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend you scroll up and start from episode one. If you're feeling brave and just want to dive in, then don't let us stop you. Here at JSI, we unpack all the jargon and the confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating, and we want to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going?
1: I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, back for the next chapter in the Get Started Investing story. Yes. Uh, we've done three parts on investing styles. We've uh, interviewed uh, an Equitymates community member, yep. talked about investing styles, Now we're on to the next chapter. This book keeps getting written. (laughs) This book keeps getting
0: written. And uh, we're going to be doing the next few episodes uh, focusing on assets.
1: Welcome back to school. We're going to asset class. (laughs) We're going to
0: asset class. Um, There are many different assets that we can invest in, and the good news is is a lot of it can be done through the share market, which we're going to touch on today. But uh, just before we do, um, we want to let you know about a a pretty good opportunity if you're in Sydney for a live event, if you're in uh, Western Australia, Queensland, or Victoria for a streamed event, and that is the Australian Shareholders Association uh, Investors Conference. Uh, It's a pretty awesome opportunity to get to see some of the uh, brightest and smartest business leaders in Australia you're going to have the chairman of BHP Telstra Woolworths plus CEOs from Fortescue Origin uh, you name it there there're going to be plenty of big wigs in the room and you have the opportunity to go and watch them speak uh, it is on the 31st and of May through to the 1st of June two days over the weekend Um, Here in Sydney, it's at the Hilton and is uh, streamed live to some hotels in the other states. The best news is that because uh, we have a good relationship with the ASA, they're offering uh, the first 50 equity mates a very special deal on tickets. So, um, Alec and I would love to be there. Unfortunately, it's my 30th. You're
1: dragging (laughs) us away for a week. (laughs) So, we can't
0: make it, but uh, we will endeavor to get there next year. The website is australianshareholders.com slash equity mates. to get um, some good value tickets and also a free membership for a year to the Australian Shareholders Association, which uh, again is going to be pretty valuable to you if you're pretty serious about uh, investing. So head over there and and, uh, check it out.
1: It's pretty rare that you get to look a CEO or a chairman or chairwoman of an ASX200 board uh, in the eye and ask them a question.
0: Yes, it is rare. Yeah. And this is a great opportunity. Make
1: sure you have some curly ones. Yes. Like <laughs> Gordon Cairns from Woolworths is going to be there. Yeah, pokies. Uh, Asking about poker <laughs> <and> shades. <laughs> He'll say we're trying to get rid of them. <laughs> true, true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, that's uh, the housekeeping for today. It is time to get stuck into asset class. Uh, Ren's going to be your teacher today. I'm the student. <laughs>
1: no <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i was just gonna say we're gonna go with that
0: i went nowhere all right so
1: so yeah we we the last chapter we spoke about how like how you invest um you know figuring out what what the right style is based on your temperament based on your interest based on how much time you can commit all of that stuff so if that's the how this is then the like the what the, the what you're actually going to buy um do we let's start with some definitions what is an asset
0: An asset is any resource that can be owned or controlled and has economic value. Like you, Ren, you're an asset. (laughs) (laughs) Everything from your house to your car to a business's intellectual uh, property, these are all assets. um, Anything that you can really derive value from.
1: Yes, yeah. So, anything that you can own or control is element one and anything that has economic value is element two. Yes,
0: is an umbrella an asset?
1: Uh yeah. On a rainy day. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's it's definitely an asset. If you can sell it, it's an asset. Jeez, <laughs> wow. Is it an is it a good investment? On a rainy day. On a rainy day. <laughs> 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 uh, we're just talking about this because Bryce got stung with a triple surge uber fare because oh, no. it's it's raining uh in sydney and there'll be a lot of rain chat in this episode <laughs> <laughs> will. so
0: that's an asset ren but when you're when it comes to investing uh you might have heard about people saying you know have you thought about which asset class you're going mm. to be investing in or have you thought about how you're going to build a portfolio with different asset classes do you want to give us the definition for an asset class
1: yeah an asset class is just a group of assets that all share the same characteristics so property is an asset class and then every different type of property is an asset you know everything from residential property to office buildings to warehouses to farmland like that that can all just be grouped together under property or you know currencies is an asset class and then the assets are australian dollar us dollar japanese yen you get the point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just like a, it's a broader term. It's the parent term, the category term.
0: Yeah, and I think what you mentioned there is the characteristics is the key point uh, when it comes to thinking about asset classes. And later on in, in the next episode, we'll take a bit of a deep dive on some of the key characteristics for the asset classes that we're going to go through today and how you might be able to build a portfolio of different asset classes. So, Ren, there are plenty of assets out there in the world. But there are some that are considered to be your major asset classes that a lot of investors, professional investors, and retail uh, have the opportunity to to build and and uh, and invest in. I think a lot of the time when we go through each of these, um, it'd be good to have a bit of a quick discussion around the risk profile because a lot of the time beginners base their investment decisions. I feel around like perceived. Uh, risk of certain asset classes for example i'm not going to start investing in shares because they're perceived to be risky property safe as houses Do you know what i mean
1: (laughs) true maybe we need to introduce a common phrase like safe as houses for shares secure as shares and then maybe people will start thinking that it's safe (laughs) yeah let's start
0: that movement but big um, property
1: have done really well with that that saying over the years they have done very well (laughs) the start the starting point here has to be though that every asset we're talking about here is investable through the share market. It's one of the more common misconceptions that you can only buy shares in the share market, but you can access any type of asset through the share market. If, if an asset has value and investors see a way to capture some of that value, there will be a fund or an ETF or a different product that will try and give you access to that as, um, as investors. So, um, in some ways, it shouldn't be called the share market. It should be called the-
0: Asset market. Investing market. <laughs> <laughs> the liquid the liquid asset market.
1: The, the point of that being that if you're like, why the hell are these boys talking about property and currencies and commodities, we can't invest in those? You can. Think again. Think again. And we're we're <laughs> going to show you
0: how at the end of this episode. Well, let's start with uh, one of the most common asset classes that I think everyone would have and that is uh, cash and currencies.
1: If, if your definition of assets are they can be owned or controlled and they have value, then the money we have in our pockets is definitely both of those things. So the Australian dollar has value and we can own it. Um, same with every other currency around the world. And over time, currencies uh, – well, not over time. Every day, currencies get more or less valuable against each other. Um, the currencies' values are constantly moving And so you can invest in that change. Um, But money, money is an asset. That's the kind of of insight you (laughs) come to equity rates and get started investing for. Money
0: is an asset. To give you uh, an indication of uh, the size of the market when it comes to cash and currencies, a whopping $6.6 trillion exchanges hands on the forex or the foreign exchange market every day which is pretty phenomenal.
1: That is phenomenal.
0: Huge huge amounts of uh of money are changing hands. People are investing and trading and trying to make a profit on on the Australian dollar versus the US dollar or the US versus the yuan. It's yeah. Incredible.
1: Yeah. Well well to be clear because you often think like what what value is are these people adding to society just just trading you know basis points here and there of these different currencies foreign exchange markets actually do have a really important function for businesses to like hedge their foreign currency risk and to enable international trade and all of that stuff Um, and that falls into that that 6.6 trillion as well yeah all of global trade falls into that number (laughs) yeah
0: I mean it's a pretty phenomenal number
1: Um, i got a question for you Um, how many currencies are there in the world
0: Uh, there would be 120
1: no, one hundred and
0: eighty. Ooh. yeah, it's almost okay. I was gonna say one hundred and eighty-two, but then I thought,
1: no, it? no, there is more than one hundred and eighty-two countries in the world. I think there is one hundred ninety-six at last. Count. Oh, uh, the, uh, the, honestly, there is probably even more now. You know, this is just a random off the off the topic thought, but you know how in Pokemon it was like the whole thing is you got to capture all one hundred and fifty Pokemon. No. Well, that was, like, the game in Pokemon. Like, you catch all of them. Got to catch them all. That was the tagline. Maybe we should make an Equity Mates game. Got to own them all and see who the first person to own a bit of all 180 currencies are. <laughs> and, like, there would be some easy ones, but there would be some tough ones in there, I reckon. There would be. Surely
0: there's a, uh, a market that it provides access. To I reckon
1: once you get into, like, the 170s, you've probably got to be <laughs> boots on the ground in some of these countries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so... Cash and currencies, huge asset class. Um, and when we speak about asset class, we're talking about all those one hundred and eighty currencies, all all wrapped in one. How do you think about risk when it comes to cash and currency?
1: Look, the Australian dollar, the US dollar, you're 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 pretty safe. You know, there there'll be Bitcoin people listening to this that will be telling me that I'm wrong. But look, it's backed by strong governments so with strong economies and. Um, you're relatively safe. If you ask someone in Venezuela or Argentina how you thought about cash and currencies as an asset, they would have a very different answer. So, currency is, it's relatively stable in where we are and where a lot of our listeners are listening, but that's not a universal thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say though, uh, as well, that if you're trying to trade currencies to make money there are a lot of factors that you need to consider oh if you're not honestly
1: if you're not a professional or you don't have access to professional level yeah computing power and stuff like that you're just you're fighting algorithms that are quicker uh able to smarter are able to like suck in more information more quickly and like yeah sure you can make money if we're talking about sorry if you're talking about the risk of trying to make money forex trading then very high yeah yeah
0: all right. So the second asset class that you'll often hear about is commodities.
1: All right, commodities. Talk commodities. to me about it.
0: Commodities, otherwise uh, known as raw materials, really—they're inputs that um, are used in the production of other goods and services. So, um, if you think about, you know, the top ten most traded commodities in the world, you've got uh, crude oil, uh, raw material, coffee, natural gas, gold silver, sugar, corn, wheat, cotton. You get the, you get the vibe. It's uh, all those raw materials that are then traded on and either refined or included in the process of producing other goods and services. And uh, people can invest in them and people trade them and uh, it's a pretty big market as well.
1: So I think the, the key thing when you're thinking about commodities and how they're different from other traded goods is um, that they are just standard and, you know, there are multiple people creating them, be it drilling them from the ground or growing them or whatever, but they're just, they're commodities, they're replaceable, they're interchangeable. Corn from Iowa in the US is much the same as corn from, you know, Darwin in Australia is much the same as corn from Russia. It's corn. And so you see that there, there's just an internationally international commodity price that... Um, everyone sort of trades around the world based on. um, Some, like oil, has a few different benchmark prices, but yeah, commodities are just interchangeable goods and you just have a global price in many cases. You have a global price for sugar, for gold, and um, you as an investor can say, well, I think gold is going to get more valuable because there will be less supply or there'll be more demand. Same with corn. I think Iowa corn growers are going to lose subsidies from the Biden administration and there'll be heaps less corn growing and that means the price will go up. So you're literally just investing in something that is just has a universal price, is replaceable, and you're really just thinking about supply and demand. Yeah.
0: So the size of the gold market, if we continue on that trend, it's a $10 trillion market. That might sound massive, but wait till we get to some of the other asset classes in the world, but uh, still pretty sizable market for, for gold. And kind of backing off what you were just saying there Ren around, it's really just a universal price. For me, the risk with commodities are they're very cyclical. So
1: so a lot of people talk about commodities being cyclical and it's probably worth explaining just why that is the case because a lot of people, a lot of financial industry people will just take it as a given. The The reason that commodities are cyclical is because the cost to produce these things is generally fixed. Like the cost to drill oil out of the ground or the cost to grow an acre of corn, it's it's generally fixed. That cost doesn't move much. But prices move as demand changes. And so when prices are really high, heaps of people are like, oh, it makes sense to, uh, to drill more or to grow more corn because prices are fixed and I can sell it for a really high price. So heaps more people go into the market, which increases supply and then prices drop. When prices drop, people are like it doesn't make sense to drill. It doesn't make sense to grow corn, so they stop. Uh, supply shrinks, and then prices go up again. And so that's why they generally move in cycles. Um, it just it's it's all about like the amount of people drilling or growing or or anything.
0: Uh, yeah, it's also about the demand side, though. It is like it is. there's, for example, if you look at the iron ore price at the moment. It's being driven by demand from China, not not because there's more people or not because there's less people. But
1: what you'll see is that all of these marginal projects start coming online. More and more people are are coming online. At some point, yeah, demand will shift, but at some point, demand will slow. There'll be too much supply and then we'll see the the prices go down the other side.
0: Yeah, so it's a demand-supply game.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we can start talking about the intricacies of demand, but I think the easiest way to conceptualize it is on the supply side.
0: So let's move to government and company debt is another asset that you can invest in. Yes. Really otherwise known as probably the most common term that you would have heard for these is bonds. What this asset class is, uh, is really giving you the ability to loan money to government or private companies. And in return, they'll pay back that that money over a set period of time with interest. And uh, these can all be uh, traded and sold as an investment. But generally speaking, if the Australian government wants to raise some money to build new roads or infrastructure projects, they'll go to the market and say, we need to raise a billion dollars. And uh, they'll sell government bonds to do that. And you can buy those bonds and then have a a very very secure investment that will pay you interest over a period of time
1: yeah I mean the easiest way to conceptualize bonds is think about when you go to the bank and you get a mortgage it, this is the government going to the market and doing the same thing getting money up front and agreeing to pay interest and pay it back That's pretty it. simple yeah
0: yeah. sounds simple sounds great it's actually really hard to get access to bonds as a retail investor You need a lot of money.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, no one, honestly, like the market is not set up for retail investors. Now more and more people are trying to get involved, but the market was set up for governments and big companies to sell it to banks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So as we said, commodities, the gold had a $10 trillion market. Bonds just blow that out of the park. Worldwide, the bond market is worth $119 trillion. Uh, The US alone, takes uh, 46 trillion of that. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a huge market and enormous amounts of money are, uh, are invested and, and traded. From a risk point of view, given that it's backed by some of the, I guess, most powerful governments in the world or some of the most powerful and, and biggest companies, these are considered very secure investments. In fact, they're so secure that they're almost uh, classified as risk-free.
1: Well, essentially you know for the us government to default on a us government bond the world's in trouble the, we've got much bigger issues <laughs> yeah. than your investment portfolio like yeah. the the world financial system will be in serious strife and and you know there are riskier bonds let's like let's not say that all bonds are created equal like government us government bonds are probably the safest in the world then you got up the risk to other governments up the risk curve to big companies Then you start, as you get into like weaker and weaker companies, you start getting into what are known as junk bonds and they can be pretty risky and people have made a lot of money trading them. Um, But on the whole, for a bond not to pay you back, a government or a company is going to have to go bankrupt.
0: Yeah, very unlikely. So uh, then we have property. We can't forget property, particularly here in Australia. I would suggest that it is the most... Loved asset class here in Australia. Yes. Um, property is property. I don't think we need to explain too much about that. But as you said at the start, uh, it is broader than just residential. Uh, you've got commercial property, you've got, uh, you know, farmland and, and the. Go type.
1: outside, look at some buildings. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's all property.
0: <laughs> it's a $5.5 trillion market here in Australia, which is uh, for just for residential alone. So pretty, pretty massive, which sort of dwarfs the size of our share market which is not surprising 36 trillion dollar market over in the u.s so um pretty massive
1: yeah which is interesting because what that's seven times rough rough um they have heaps more than seven times our population so on a per capita basis yeah yeah
0: they've also got some very cheap houses they do they (laughs) do (laughs) uh in terms of risk profile i think people as we said at the start think that property is safe, s- as, safe houses. as houses <laughs> and i mean look yes it, 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 you would be right to think that house prices only go up if you read the news every day you, here in australia yeah
1: but you would not be right to think but, that let's be clear <laughs> yeah but you would not be right
0: to um to think that properly and it, it's it's you know if, if someone was to show you the price fluctu- fluctuation of your house day to day i'm sure people would think of it a little bit differently
1: yeah, well, I just think like that we have grown up in a world of ever-reducing interest rates. Yeah. And the biggest determinant of house prices is interest rates because if the bank is giving you your mortgage at a lower and lower interest rate, you can afford to get more and more. You can afford to borrow more and more, mm. um, which pushes prices up because everyone can borrow more. So that, that's been the, the secular trend, I guess, the, um, the tailwind that has really propped up the property market what happens if interest rates turn is the question. Look, property's not unsafe. And like the thing is, you can always live in your house even if you're underwater on it. Mm. You probably don't want to though. And no, um, it'd be painful. But yeah. I I like property is seen as safe. It is a relatively safe investment. Um but interest rates interest rates interest rates like do not go blindly into property. Well, don't go blindly into anything, but just be aware of where we are in a potential you know, multi-decade interest rate cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing that I always want to stress with property because everyone is like, property is so expensive, you can't access it. For the majority of people, it's just you're locked out until you're in your 30s. Yeah. Except on the share market, you can buy rates.
0: Yes, which we will touch on in a second.
1: Okay. (laughs) Am I jumping the gun here?
0: (laughs) Well, yes, you can. I mean- as we said, uh, you can buy all of these, but let's just close it out and well, then we can chat about it afterwards.
1: Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of run up there for us to. <laughs> Massive, yeah.
0: Uh, we're just going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors.
1: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
0: Let's close it out by obviously one of our favorite, well, if not the favorite asset class here at Equity Mates, and that is equities. Equities are simply shares in company. And that, that's really much all there is to say for equities. Yeah, it's, look, it's I mean,
1: a, we've done plenty of episodes on this, but equities are, you know, a part ownership stake in a company.
0: Yeah, $109 trillion market globally, if you were to take all the, all the uh, listed companies in the world and their market caps, um, some of the major stock markets you would have heard of, the Australian Stock Exchange, New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, the FTSE over in, uh, in Europe, in London. Um, there are 60 exchanges around the world and the US makes up 56% of the global stock market value, uh, which is no surprise there considering if the companies that they have listed. So yeah, one of our favorite asset classes. No doubt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And look, we have covered off some of the major ones. There's a heap more. Um, We didn't touch on cryptocurrency. We didn't touch on art. We didn't touch on cars, wine, baseball cards, cards. Pokemon cards, two Pokemon references in one episode. That's (laughs) interesting. Yeah. (laughs) NFTs. um, All of these things capture value um, and are stores of value in many ways. Um, You know, you you can sell it for something and you can be relatively confident with well, at least some of those asset classes, you know, um, art, you can be relatively confident that it will hold its value and you can sell it. There's, an, there's a concept that you might not want me to introduce here, given you've already told me to pause on something else, but I'm going to try and introduce it. We'll see if you let me. Um, if you think about all these asset classes, there's a question that Seth Klarman asks in his book, uh, Margin of Safety, which I has really stuck with me over my investing journey that i think is worth putting in when we're talking about all these different asset classes are you investing or are you speculating and with a lot of these asset classes what you're doing is you're you're buying them with the hope that someone will pay more for them in the future like if you buy a piece of art it's not like generating you any money while you own it you buy it because you hope someone will pay more in the future or if you buy you know like um some some wine i guess um same thing you you keep it in a cellar it's not making you any money and you hope someone pays more for it in the future compare that to like shares where they're creating while you own them they're getting more valuable people are the company's hiring people working hard all that stuff blah 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 making you money paying you dividends or property like if you buy property and you rent it out you're earning rental income while you own it and so for me, the way that I like to separate all these different asset classes in my head are assets that while you own them, they're productive and they're making you money. And then ones that you just own because you hope to sell it for more in the future. Are you investing or are you speculating?
0: Mm. Nice. Nice. So to continue with Ren's massive run-up when we were talking about equities, <laughs> the most exciting... no, no property.
1: We're, we're talking about property. Property.
0: The most exciting part for us is that uh, the share market, as we said at the start, gives you the ability to invest in all of these asset classes um, and create a portfolio. You don't have to go out and buy a solid gold nugget. You don't have to go out and buy a b- barrel of oil. You don't have to go out and buy a suitcase of US dollars. You don't have to knock on the door of the US government or the Australian government and ask for them to uh, engage in a loan with you. All of these um, are available through the share market, which provides some pros and cons, a lot more pros than cons for us. Um, and it's it's, a, it's an awesome opportunity.
1: All right, well, talk to us. What are the pros?
0: So the pros, firstly, as we've just mentioned, is is, is accessibility. You can access all of these assets through the stock market very easily from the comfort of your own home. Yeah. Um around the world as well, both domestically and internationally. So
1: And I think accessibility is two things. The first one is like the ease of buying. As you were saying, it's not like you, there's some arduous process of actually getting this stuff. It's you go into your brokerage account, put a few numbers in, say how, or like a few letters in to get the stock ticker or the code, say how much you want to buy, hit buy. It's online shopping. Um, online shopping for assets, not bad. Uh, but it's also accessibility in terms of the minimum cost that you need to access it. So, you know, bonds are normally traded in $50,000 parcel sizes. Um, the property is obviously, you know, I don't know what the average house in Sydney or Melbourne is, but... 1.1
0: 1. 1 in Sydney. Is think, it? Something Jeez, like that. Yeah. must be nice. Um,
1: <laughs> uh all, but And, you know, same with a bunch of these other assets. You know, if you wanted to actually buy the minimum quantity of gold from like a gold mint, you're probably talking thousands of dollars. The share market enables you to buy fractions of all of these things so the cost to get involved is much lower. You can buy a few dollars worth of gold or maybe a few hundred dollars worth of gold, a few hundred dollars worth of property, a few hundred dollars worth of bonds, um, which is something that you couldn't do if you were actually trying to buy those things physically. Yeah
0: speaking of cost, Ren, another massive advantage of the share market and buying all these assets through the share market is actually the cost of buying. If you think about the cost associated with buying a house, you've got stamp duty, you've got to save it for the deposit, you've got to pay the agency fees, you've got to pay for marketing in domain or wherever you want to, realestate.com. The cost associated with buying and selling is incredibly high compared to, say, a $5 Brokerage fee that you'll pay to access property through the stock market. Equally, if you were to try and go out and buy a barrel of oil, literally, you'd probably have to the costs associated with that driving there, getting in the trailer, getting all the way over to Saudi Arabia or wherever the the, the barrels of oil are, are going to be. It's going to cost you a fortune to do so. You can do it just by paying brokerage. I'm sure, the you, I'm sure there's some
1: Australian oil. There are, would be. I'm trying to think of an expensive <laughs> option.
0: So, the costs associated with buying well, these y- assets. Well, you know,
1: classes. this. Um, people may remember in 2020 how uh, oil went negative. Yeah. A lot of that was because traders were actually going to have to physically take possession of these yeah. oil barrels. And they're like, we don't no. want that. So, we'll pay you to take it off our <laughs> yeah. hands. Because, yeah. yeah, you're right. It's an expensive thing to have to actually take possession of it and figure out what the hell to do with it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and finally, a big pro is liquidity. Now, this is a bit of a pardon the jargon if you've just started your investing journey, but liquidity really means the ease and speed at which you can turn something into cash and and liquidate it is, is really where that term comes from. So, if you were to think about, for example, trying to sell a house, if you needed to sell your house to get some cash f- within the next three hours – it's highly unlikely that you're going to be able to turn that around because you have to put the put it on the market do do some inspections Uh, then close it out with the lawyers and the banks. Then you're going to get a check from whoever's bought it off you. You need to cash the check and finally you'll get the money into your account. Now, that's not going to take a matter of hours. It's going to take a matter of days. So, you can't really get that cash quickly. Whereas the stock market, you can sell your shares or whatever asset class you've bought through the stock market within a matter of seconds and easily and quickly get access to, to your cash. So, uh, the stock market provides the ability to turn all these assets to and from cash uh, with relative ease and speed, which, which is important um, when it comes to building portfolios and that sort of stuff. So another pro of uh, buying asset classes through the stock market. And then one con for me, I'd be interested if you have any, Ren, but um, is ownership. So yes, you can buy property through the stock market, uh, for example, REITs, real estate, investment trusts. But that doesn't mean that if you did so, you could then go and live in one of the houses that was part of the real estate investment trust. True, yeah. Uh, Whereas if you owned the home directly, uh, not through the stock market, you actually have ownership of that house. Yep. Um, So, yes, you need to think about, for example, if you buy an ETF that gives you access to the gold price, you need to be careful about whether you actually have rights to some physical gold or whether you're actually just buying... Uh, I guess, the, the price of gold. So, you just need to be careful about the ownership of the assets that you're buying and think about if that's important to you.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing with ownership is decision-making. Like, if you are buying a real estate investment trust to get access to property and you're like, I think the market's at the top, we should sell. No one's listening bad. to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you could sell your units, but it's not like, yeah, yeah, you just... You, all you can do is buy and sell your, your holding. You don't have any like decision-making control over the assets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, um, look, for me, it was a real revelation when I realized that basically you could build a whole diversified portfolio just through assets that were available to the everyday punter like you and I on the stock market. Um, I own, like well, we own a little bit of crypto, some who knows you know percentage of the portfolio um i own some gold through the share market um i obviously own stocks um not not a lot not a lot of commodities outside of gold not a lot of property um no doubt so yeah for the main one for me I, i mean i'm pretty aggressive with my investing at this stage we're young enough to be yeah um do you own any of these other assets in your portfolio
0: wine cars art and furniture
1: yeah must be nice <laughs> <laughs> no, i don't and any of
0: them yes crypto obviously stocks um yes a bit of property in, in and infrastructure no government bonds yes commodities and yes currency
1: actually uh, sorry um i do own some company debt i macquarie yeah. macquarie yeah issued some hybrid notes which are like kind of like bonds but are traded on the stock market Let's not worry too much about them. Think of them as just bonds. Um, Yeah, so I do own some debt as well.
0: Nice. Well, that gives you a bit of access and exposure to the major asset classes that are investable both on the share market and off. Uh, We're going to spend the next episode discussing... The key characteristics for some of these assets and why you might decide to buy them, they're all used for different reasons. Um, and then we'll have a look at building a portfolio with these different asset types using the share market. So stick around for asset class. A couple of episodes to go, but uh, Ren, we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.